Today's episode delves into a discussion of functional medicine, which differs from traditional medicine. This discussion is conducted through the lens of our show guests. As a result, the opinions expressed here are those exclusive to the individual contributors and do not constitute formal medical advice. Therefore, listeners are strongly advised to conduct their own due diligence before stopping or starting any medical programs or services based upon their own unique needs and under the advisement of their specific medical practitioner. And with that, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing for Your Thoughts, the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing the owners of Fit Medical Weight Loss based out of Tumble, Texas. Ladies, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Please take a moment and introduce yourselves to our listeners. Good morning. Thank you for having us on your show. My name is Sherlanda Wesley Henry, and I'm one of the co-owners of Fit Medical Weight Loss. I am a nurse practitioner that is certified in family medicine, and we do offer some weight loss services and hormone um, balancing as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Sherlanda. And Ms. Treva, you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you for having us on your show today. My name is Treva Mitchell. I am a family nurse practitioner. I am also co-owner of Fit Medical Weight Loss. I think between Shalanda and I, we have at least 35 years of experience in nursing. So I am excited to be here. Wow, 35 years. That's like about two-thirds of my lifetime. Good grief. That's amazing. (laughs) Truly amazing. Thank you guys. First of all, just for what you do as medical professionals, I know um, with the onset of COVID a few years back, we really came to appreciate just what medical people bring to our lives every day. And COVID certainly amplified that. So for that, I say thank you for your service, um, because I can only imagine how stressful, how tiring, um, but also probably how rewarding it has been. So just wanted to say I appreciate all that you do. Um, to support those of us in a time of need. Um, so with that, we're going to jump right in. Uh, Treva, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how that might have impacted who you are today. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a small town called White Castle, Louisiana. I consider myself a country girl. Um, I found my way to Houston, Texas about 18 years ago. Um, my first experience or um, I guess my father, my dad was the first person that really introduced me to health and wellness. Um, When I was probably about five or six years old, he said, you know, your grandfather had a heart attack at age 50 and he died. And I don't want that to happen to myself and I don't want it to happen to y'all. So my dad had us eating um, wheat bread at five years old. I was probably the only kid eating wheat bread, drinking low-fat milk, and he forbade us from eating the skin on chicken. I mean, it was like if you had fried chicken, we could not eat the skin. He was like, no, you can't eat that. You know, that's the bad part. And he was adamant about it. So he was the first person that really, um, you know, introduced me to what it meant to be healthy and how to get started with that, um, you know, with that part of living. Wow. Talk about being a visionary in the healthcare space. I don't know that I could say I was eating wheat bread at the age of five. I was definitely 
a wonder white bread kind of girl and ate every <laughs> single piece of chicken from the skin and everything underneath it. So um, hats off to your dad. <laughs> you know, it is funny. My husband, he tells me until this day, you do not know how to eat chicken. <laughs> He's like, you waste half of it. I'm like, well, this is what I was taught. Um, wow. So, yeah, we did not. And, you know, also I, another part of what happened, you know, growing up in the country or in the small town, I was also exposed to um, it did a lot of farming still at that time. So my dad raised animals. So my, my grandfather um, on my both sides of my parents um, raised hogs or pigs. So they took care of their animals. They had gardens and we ate out of the garden and all of those things. So it's been, you know, a part of who I am from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. What about you, Sharlanda? Where did you grow up and how did that impact who you've become today? Well, I grew up in a small town as well, Homa, Louisiana. Um, It's grown quite a bit since I left um, to come here in Houston. I've been here in Houston about, I I would say, 17 years. I think I was a year behind Treva. Um, but as far as my healthy living, I would say that that started, um, once I became into the healthcare field, um, learning about preventative medicine was one of my passions. And, um, I felt like not enough time was taken during visits as a registered nurse. And once we became providers that that wasn't taking taken into consideration. Um, they would mention it and say what needs to be done, but not enough time dedicated to actually teach patients and um, really give them the guidance that they needed. So from that point forth is when I started um, just kind of doing my own research, incorporating various healthy regimens to my diet and adding that to my family's regimen as well. Um, we didn't grow up with gardens coming up as far as I remember, but now my dad has a garden in his yard and it's it's quite interesting to see him, you know, growing cabbage and raising, you know, chickens to get fresh eggs and things like that. Um, but it's just something that I enjoy doing. Awesome. Awesome. That, well, I tell you what, I didn't grow up with a garden, but when I think about my mom versus my dad. My mom and I, after her, became the sugar police, right? So growing up, I was an only child until I was 11. And I was not with my mom. I wasn't allowed to eat really any sugar. You know, I would have treats here and there. And like, you know, fast food was its its own treat. But when you talk about like some of the sugary sweet um, snacks that are available today, I wasn't allowed to have any of that except... When I was with my dad, shout out to my dad for having, you know, fun with sugar. Um, and I used to eat these. And, and now as a 40 something year old woman, I, I look at it and I think it's disgusting. But back in the day, I used to eat. Y'all remember those um, banana moon pies? It was like a whole lot of marshmallow on yes. the oh, cookies yes. and sugar. Yes. And it's nothing but like sugar and oil. And it is absolutely gross. But in my childhood, yes. it was amazing. And I think I ate so many of those that I probably was at the risk of turning into a moon pie because it just, <laughs> it was terrible. But my mom was always, you know, where's my dad? Let me live a little with the sugar. My mom was always really, really intentional about making sure 
that I ate lots of fruits and vegetables. And so, you know, by and large, I had a healthy, balanced diet. I didn't grow up, you know, with a farm in my backyard, but like particularly on my father's side of the family, um, in Alabama, they they grew everything they ate. And as a matter of fact, when I visited there, I struggled eating things so fresh um, versus being accustomed to, you know, things going through the process before it makes it to the grocery store. Um, so I can definitely, ha- I definitely rather have an appreciation for growing up with fresh fruits, vegetables, farming, and the like, because on my dad's side of the family, that is something that I saw firsthand when I would visit Alabama, where he's from. But then even on my mom's side of the family, living in the city, clearly, you know, we didn't have farming um, resources, but there was still a focus on healthy eating. So I definitely can have or rather share an appreciation with you guys um, for what that was like. So thinking about for a moment in time, thinking about your small town, humble roots, would you say that you had big city dreams? Um, And if so, what did you want to be when you were a kid and why? And does that match up with who you are today? Um, I think for me, I've always been a dreamer. Um, I with a very large imagination now when it comes to living in this city. When you come from a small town, sometimes that's all you see. That's all you know. Um, as a child, I got to travel. We did family vacations and things. But, you know, I never... Um, Never thought about actually leaving. It wasn't until I was in college and um, stayed in my husband at the time. And he said, I have to get you out of this small town because there's so much more for you to see. Um, But growing up, I think I had many professions. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a cosmetologist. I love doing hair. Um, I like to do a lot of different things. But it was not until um, in high school I decided, okay, I'm going to go into computer science. And um, one of my teachers, we had a, um, we had an event and about 10 of us. And she was asking each of us, you know, what do y'all want to do when y'all um, become a senior graduate? So I had said proudly, I want to go into computer science. And she said, you old crank, you don't want to go into computer science. You're going to hate that. She's like, you need to go into nursing because that is more in line to who you are and your personality. And that was the first time I'd actually heard that. And from that, I was like, you know what? You're actually right. And she was absolutely correct. My first semester in college, I took a computer class. I hated it. I went to class one day and I dropped it the, the very same day. I didn't even stay in class the entire day the whole the, for the whole entire um, period. I left because I didn't like it. But um, nursing definitely was my passion. And I think that is um, very, very important. When you're looking into that field, you have to have a passion for what you do. Um, I like to tell people that nursing is a service job. Um, if you don't like serving people, then you will have, you will hate your job. You know, otherwise mm-hmm. you can show up and it does not feel like work time and time again, and you're tired, burnt out. But you'll do it over and over again because you have a passion for it. So um, that's kind of where I was, and I think also um, we had to do a senior project. So I knew I wanted to be a nurse. And then I went to my pediatrician as a teenager and he walked in and he was like, oh, my God, you're you're a teenager. And he he turned around and literally walked out of the door. He pivoted and left. He said, let me get my nurse practitioner because you're a teenager and you're a girl and you're going to have problems. And that was the conversation. And after that, I met my first pediatric nurse practitioner. Um, Mm -hmm. That's how I was introduced to it. 
Um, I had a chance to, we did something called the senior project. So we did like a mentorship program where I got to go and shadow her and do a talk on what that meant. So I veered a little bit from pediatrics. I did start off in pediatrics, but I decided to do the family nurse practitioner role because it gave me the option to see everyone and not just one um, specific uh, focus group. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Uh Thinking about just the experience of transitioning from being a little girl to young womanhood, I would imagine, you know, thinking back to my own experiences, I would imagine having a male doctor who responds to you in such a way could have been quite jarring. And so hats off to you for taking what could have been an otherwise negative experience and and really leveraging it into um, something more positive that you know, Mm -hmm. seems to have inspired who you've become today. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Sherlanda, what about you? What about you? So for me, um, growing up, I spent a lot of time in my mom's beauty shop. So my mom, um, growing up, she was a cosmetologist. Uh, We went to beauty shows and, you know, you name it. I was the model for, you know, whatever show that was coming up. I had short hair, long hair burgundy hair, blonde hair, like I was just her test, you know, model most of the time. But I watched her and although that was her passion, it was almost like she dreaded her job sometimes because if, you know, um, clients would come in and they would want that, you know, magic look that Mm -hmm. was was not for them, you know, it it was Mm -hmm. a miracle that they were expecting for her to deliver in that chair. And I remember saying, oh my gosh, I have to finish college. I have to make sure that I have a different profession from what you have because I do not want to do this for my life. Mm -hmm. Mm So um, I always wanted to be a nurse growing up. Um, I had a few mentors. Um, One, um, I remember she used to work at the the health unit in um, the area. She was like one of the few black nurses that I knew. and she she inspired me. And then I had another nurse, Miss Bessie, um, in our church. And she was a military nurse. You know, she was one of the few nurses in labor and delivery. And, you know, I always had a passion to work in labor and delivery, nursery. And, um, you know, that was just another inspiration for me. And then I had a cousin as well, um, Tanya Harris, who was also in the nursing field. And I used to go up um, to New Orleans, stay with her for the weekend. She was at LSU um, nursing school. And, you know, just one of my dreams, one of my passions and kind of like what Treva mentioned, um, just being able to serve others. I feel that that was, you know, a calling that God has put on my life is to, and that's my way to serve others. So moving forward, to now, um, I met Treva when I first moved to Houston, and we were both school nurses in Fair School District. And I remember, you know, <laughs> it was kind of familiar to find somebody else from Louisiana, you know, someone who looked like me, <laughs> mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you know, for us to you know bond, and uh, we decided to go to the um, School of Phoenix um, table that they had there. They had a little vending spot. So I remember Treva saying, uh, come on, let's go get some information to go back to school. And I'm like, oh, no, wait. 
I'm not interested. If I decide to go back to school, it will not be for nursing. And it wasn't that I did not love my job. I just, at that time, you know, I just didn't see myself going back to school. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a, a year later, <laughs> it was me pulling her saying, here, I have your application. It's completed. All you have to do is turn it in. Oh, We're wow. going to start school in June. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Being, she's being very coy with this story. Like, very, <laughs> she's leaving out a few details. It was more <laughs> dramatic. Like, oh, no, indeed, I'm never going back to school. <laughs> Yeah, it was more like that. Yes. Then it was probably a year later. um, I'd had surgery. She came to visit me. She came with with food and she came with paper in her hand. And I was like, what is this? She's like, here, sign your name here, here, here. I'm like, Shalanda, what is this? She said, we're going back to school. I was like, well, what? She said, I already enrolled you. All you got to do is just sign, put in in the, the details. I got all your information. We're going back. And sure enough, she started in June, I think, and I started in um, in the fall in August, and we caught up in the middle um, with it. So that's kind of how our journey began with, you know, as to where we are right now. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> Talk about mentors. You know, first of all, shout out, shout out to mentors and models and the idea of being our sister's keeper. The idea of, you know, accountability and and being a pusher. You know, I've had conversations with girlfriends. Everybody needs a pusher in their circle, Mm -hmm. right? Somebody Mm -hmm. that is going to encourage and inspire you beyond where you are right now, sometimes toward things that you don't see that are possible for yourself, but they see it in you. Like for Shavana to just take the initiative to (laughs) pre-enroll while you are bedridden. And then just say, come on, friend, all you got to do is sign your name on the dotted line and we're going back to school. Like that is extraordinary. And then to think about back to what Shermonda was saying, seeing a military nurse, seeing, shout out to Miss Bessie from church as a woman of color, someone who looked like her inspiring a little girl to be more than what she was or even what she thought she could be. You know, it's often Mm -hmm. saying we can't be what we don't see. And so I cannot for a moment um, stress how important it is that young people, male and female of all races and ethnicities, but surely as we talk about in this moment, um, particularly in Black History Month, about seeing people who look like us doing things that we didn't necessarily first believe were possible until we came upon a pusher in our circle of influence. And so, you know, kudos to you both for hanging in yeah. there and walking arm in arm to get to the finish line and then, you know, transitioning into a new um, professional space by not just being nurse practitioners working for someone else, but really working to build your own. Um, speaking of building and having your own, um, one of you, both of you, whomever, Please share a little bit about your business, you know, more specifically what it is, how long you've been in business. I did open up by saying y'all are based out of Texas, but do you, you know, just, just tell the listeners about FIT. So we've been open a little over a year. Um, We kind of started the planning 
years ahead. I'm going to say years because we were stuck in that analysis paralysis stage where we had the thought and we just not, we didn't put the action behind it. So we knew what we wanted to do. We knew it wanted, we wanted it to be some type of wellness based practice. We just didn't for sure know exactly how to pull the trigger to get started. So Shortly, I would say shortly after COVID happened is when we really started digging a little deeper and trying to figure out, uh, you know, a business plan to figure out how do we execute this because we can't keep just talking about it. Mm-hmm. So Treva and I started having these weekly meetings and, you know, just kind of brainstorming to see what we wanted to do. And we both figured out that wellness is our passion. Like that's something we really enjoy. That's something that we felt that we needed to bridge the gap in when it comes to healthcare. Mm-hmm. So um, we based our business model around wellness. Now, yes, we do weight loss. Um, and that's one of our um, biggest services that we provide here at Fit Medical Weight Loss. But our our company is different from your typical quick, fast weight loss center. Mm-hmm. So we offer a full array of services. Um, we help patients to figure out the root causes. So obesity is a chronic issue and it's an underlying issue for many chronic medical conditions. And patients don't realize that if they can dig deeper to the root cause and figure out what the root causes are, that they can really correct the issue and prevent and treat a lot of those medical conditions conditions that they have. So Mm -hmm. that's our goal. Our goal is to help our patients fix it together. So FIT stands for fixing it together. And that's one of our business models as far as helping our clients. Okay. So from a more holistic perspective, which sounds to me like you guys are um, more directly involved in functional medicine versus Mm -hmm. traditional medicine. And I happen to know, you know, a a lot of people don't really have an idea about what functional medicine is and that it differs from traditional medicine. Um, One of the greatest differences being the actual methods of practice um, that there had that there are, excuse me, um, some more holistic methodologies that you incorporate in trying to determine what the underlying um, ailments are in your patient um, demographic. And so. Treva, share a little bit about your philosophy behind functional medicine and how that philosophy informs um, the way FIT approaches each individual client. Um, functional medicine, <clears throat> excuse me, allows us to see the whole patient, the whole client. So when we come in, people, you go to the doctor, you have a headache. And although your symptom is presenting as a headache, the headache may be the symptom of something else that's deeper that's going on. So normally you go in, you have a headache and, you know, you've tried ibuprofen, Tylenol, something over the counter is not working. Now you go to your doctor, they give you something prescription to make the headache go away. Well, if you get a prescription medication and that headache persists with that prescription, then, you know, the next step would be to dig a little bit deeper to figure out why are you having the headaches? Um, sometimes it's because of, you know, a few things you're dehydrated. There are, um, you know, other issues going on, hormonal imbalances and things of that nature. So for us, um, operating from a functional medicine standpoint allows us to teach patients or our clients about themselves, um, 
help them to understand that the body is a system as a whole. It is not just one thing. You may come with one problem, but that headache could be coming from another issue. You know, you're having um, your hormones are off are imbalanced. You're stressed. Um, you know, you have some depression or some psych issues going on or something that has not been um, addressed. So we tend to do that. And and also by, um, I guess, by getting to know our patients. So I like to ask questions. I just tell them, come in, be prepared to be here for at least an hour. Because once I get the details of what's going on, I see the whole picture. So it's not just that one thing. And then we start um, to build from the inside out and to address the issues that are going on. Um, as Shalanda mentioned, the majority of our clients will come through the doors for weight loss. They want to lose weight. But weight loss is... Well, let me backtrack. Obesity is a symptom of something else. Um, usually there's a root cause, something like inflammation. There's something else that's going on or another body system is not operating in sync. So you have a, an issue going on. So we will do different things and we will um, provide individualized plans of care for patients in order to help them feel better and to restore their health. In a traditional sense of medicine, when you're working, um, most times we are on the time schedule. We have to get in, get out, and there's not enough time to really dig in to get to know the patient to find out what's going on. Um, for instance, I, I, um, I used to go into the homes and see patients. I did home primary care, based primary care with seniors, and I had um, two friends, and this is why it's so important to have support. Um, these two elderly ladies were friends and they talked about me as the provider, but I never talked about them to each other, but I knew because they would both say it. So one friend was aging in place by herself. She didn't have any family. So every time I went to see this um, particular patient, she had a million and 10 problems. It was just always something. It was her head, her neck, her back, you know, it was just an ailment, an ailment, an ailment. And then the friend who had a daughter who would come and get her on weekends, take her out, you know, go to church, go to brunch and do things. She was just so well, more well adjusted to what was going on in her life. And what mm. was really happening is this, 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 the other friend was really lonely and she didn't mm -hmm. have the support that she needed. So her, her loneliness manifested as physical ailments. And I'm saying that wow. to say that sometimes there's other things that's, the root cause of why we're where we are. So it could be trauma, it could be toxins, it could be a lot of different things. So functional medicine allows us to look beyond what you're saying, the exterior, and really just dig into what's going on. Um, a lot of our patients tell us they come in for weight loss therapy because that's what they get when they come in. Um, mm -hmm. We kind of um, designed our, our office space to where it's comforting. People can come in. It does not look like your traditional um doctor's office and that was by design it was important to us for people to come in to be transparent with whatever struggles they were having so we ask them to be honest we want them to be honest we're from louisiana we know what it's like we love to eat um and we have gotten to this point shalanda and i with um how we teach our patients the things that we teach them are the things that we do and how we actually live our lives so we're not just telling them to do something and we're doing something different we live by what we teach by with our clients. Wow, that's powerful. That is really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. In follow-up mm -hmm. to what you said, um, and I would ask this of both of you, and either of you can respond or both of you, you know, based upon your individual perspectives, 
what would you say the most difficult part of being functional medicine clinicians um, in present day? What's the most difficult part about that? I think the most difficult part of it is the lack of awareness for one. Um, people are so used to traditional health care. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so used to being able to utilize their insurance, um, which they think, you know, it's coverage for their medical visits. They, you know, they pay for the insurance. They think, well, you know, I need to go somewhere that is going to be able to use my insurance, not realizing all of the out-of-pocket costs and fees that could possibly be involved as well. Um, and just our, our, our situation right now is, is based around the form world. You know, it's like, that's where all the money is right now. And it's like, you know, there's a drug for every, every ailment and people are so used to going out to the doctor and if they have an ailment, they leave with a prescription. So mm-hmm. most of the time they never figure out what that root cause is. They never figure out what the problem is or what's causing their problem. But they know I have a pill bottle to go grab if I have a headache or if I have a stomach ache. And, you know, just I think if more people were aware of functional medicine and knew that, yeah, you know, if we dig a little deeper, we can figure out why you're having this headache or why you're you're having this stomach ache or why you're constipated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's simple fixes um, that we just don't realize. It could be a simple fix of just changing your eating habits or fixing your sleep pattern. Um, I'm looking at the your background right now with, you know, healing your thoughts. And that's a, a big portion of it, mindset. Um, it yes. starts with mindset. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the beginning. Yes. That's the beginning of it. I, 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 oh my gosh, there's so much I could say to that, Sharlanda. I'm like, my mind is bursting with questions <laughs> right now, but you just <laughs> opened the door to some great stuff. Oh my goodness. Let me ask this. Let me say this. Um, you brought up a really important point about number one, the awareness factor as being a challenge to whether or not people pursue a pathway of traditional medicine versus functional medicine. You know, we talk about a lot of people don't even know that functional medicine is a thing, let alone what it is. The other side of that, though, is to the other part of your point that there are some added costs. Although the benefits should outweigh the cost, there's some added tangible costs to the pathway of functional medicine because most, if not all, insurance companies um, don't cover what functional medicine involves to the degree that it involves um, additional testing, um, laboratory, you know, clinical testing, et cetera. Whereas in the traditional medicine pathway, it's a 15 minute whatever I can fit in in 15 minutes. And to your point, I'm going to write the script. I'm going to fill out the form. And that's the end of it. Functional medicine takes you on a journey, but there is a tangible financial expense associated with that journey that can also, or rather almost become, you know, in terms of access, a matter of separating the haves from the have nots. Most people who have access to resources have awareness about functional medicine are the ones that are most usually able to take advantage of functional medicine, but those who don't have, in a lot of cases, access to the resources and the awareness about that pathway are the ones who actually need it most. And so why do you think it is 
again, I pose this to either of you or both of you can respond. Why do you think it is that given the benefits of functional medicine, because you're delving deeper into the whole person to come up with the clinical diagnosis, why do you think it is that insurance companies tend to not cover the expenses associated with it? Um, well, pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies are in the business of making money. If you are well, then they don't, you don't need medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is my opinion. And some of this is, you know, I think that as people, as consumers, as a person personally that has had, that's gone through uh, my own medical um, problems and digging down this, ra- going down this, this rabbit hole of learning and exploring alternative options. Um, sometimes it's people will seek out things out of frustration because they're not getting answers. So you have two kinds of patients. You have the kinds that the kind that's going to keep asking questions because they want to know. And then you have Mm -hmm. the ones that'll just take whatever you tell them and go on and don't ask any questions. And you always want to be the type of patient that asks questions. You want to know what's going on with your body because that's important. Um, I think the, pharmaceutical world and medical schools, um, when, when physicians are trained, pharmaceutical companies have a lot to do with that training. And um, they're trained to give medications and not so much to solve the problem, but to treat the problem or manage the problem. So it's mm-hmm. like if you have a wound, you, you're putting a bandaid on it, essentially, you're never making the wound clear up or getting it better. You're just managing it. So it does not get further infected or it does not become a problem. So our bodies are so, um, I guess the word I'll say intelligent in that we could heal ourselves with a lot of things. So God has given us the tools to do that. The Mm -hmm. problem is a lot of our tools have been contaminated by different things. So as I mentioned, growing up, um, you know, my, when I grew up in the country, um, my mom was even a bit more country than my dad. So all of my mother's uncles and um, aunts were still living when I was a child. So um, I'm saying that to say they grew all of their food on farmland and a lot of them lived to be in their 80s, 90s. And some of the diseases that they had in their their older age, we're getting now as as younger people. So like Mm -hmm. diabetes was a thing, but it was a thing. And I don't know the approximate number, but I'll just say it affected people later in life. So maybe in their 60s and 70s versus in their 20s and 30s or in childhood at this point, um, you have childhood obesity and diabetes Mm -hmm. is a big thing now. So I think it's just lack of awareness, um, as you said, and you're absolutely correct. There is a a gap in terms of perhaps who can or cannot afford it. Um, Sometimes... You know, in order for you to, and for us, we had to make a decision, you know, are we going to accept insurance or are we going to establish a cash-based business? And we decided to do cash-based because we wanted to have a quality of care and not so much, um, you know, quality over quantity. When you Mm -hmm. go to the doctor's office, it's quantity, meaning the more people you see, the more money you make. Um, we want to have quality to go along with that in terms of when you leave here, all of your questions are answered, or at least we have a plan in motion to get down to what it is that you need and to make you feel better. Um, it's just so much we can dig into this. I, I, I can probably go down this path for hours and take up a lot of time doing it. <laughs> but it's, a, I mean, I think that, you know, everything that you said, you both have said is, is legitimate. Um, 
and and it's important to be said, even as you, you know, as business owners, you still have the right to your individual opinions, as do we all. And they should in no way reflect or, you know, detrimentally impact your business in and of itself. But, you know, we are patients before we are our practitioners. Right. And so that sometimes who we are as people um, before and, and, and therefore as patients does inform who we become as practitioners, what our upbringing is, what we were told versus um, taught by demonstration. And so, you know, you two have clearly had the kind of demonstration that was resonant of being and leading a healthy lifestyle. And it started with what you put in your mouth and where it came from, you know, a processing plant versus the earth, right? And using um, the things that God has given us as the foundational basis for our health. And so I, I think it's important um, that people hear that and, and have enough information to one, go and then do more research on their own to then two, be empowered to make the decision for themselves in terms of the pathway um, that they pursue. Um, I wanted to circle back to something you said, Treva, about the importance of being the kind of patient who asks the questions um, in the vein of self-advocacy one of the challenges I know that continues to be problematic in the traditional medicine pathway that doesn't seem as much to be an issue in the um, functional medicine path is the idea that I have 15 minutes to talk to my doctor about every single thing that might be ailing me. And so sometimes just the pressure of that, trying to remember all of that or trying to remember, excuse me, everything in that short amount of time can be a problem and a symptom of my stress, which then creates obesity in and of itself. So how do you all in your practice help to empower your patients to be more confident about their own self-advocacy? Um, I think for me um, in particular, so like I said, we focus on weight loss, but um, I always ask questions. So like if my patients come in and they're on medications for other issues and we're Although I have, we have the capacity to do primary care, that's not our focus. Um, mm-hmm. So I always advocate with my patients and I tell them things like, okay, you're on, um, you know, thyroid medication. You should be getting your blood checked, you know, your labs checked every so often. Although we do it, I'm just using thyroid medicine as an example or any medication mm-hmm. for that reason. I will say, okay, you're on this medication for rheumatoid arthritis. I will say things like um, this particular medication can deplete some of your um, nutrients in your body. So you want to make sure you're also maybe taking certain vitamins or multivitamins to make sure that you're not all the way deficient in this. So I educate them about the medicines they're on. Um, something that is very, very popular and, you know, people know about it are, you know, medications for, um, acid reflux. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that that medication in particular, the proton pump inhibitors, the PPIs, those medications deplete your um, B12 levels. So a lot of people are B12 deficient and they've been on this medication for years and it was designed to be taken just for a few weeks. But because of the obesity, because of all of the other symptoms, people cannot come off of it. So Mm. advocating in that, I will always try to educate them or always educate them on something. So that could be, you know, it's, it's um, a new year. Have you had your, your mammogram, your um, pap smear or whatever you need? If it's a man who's a smoker, you know, you need to go and get an ultrasound of your um, of your heart or your um, the order that runs through your heart. So you can make sure you're not at risk for other issues that could be overlooked if you're not careful. 
So that's kind of how I advocate um, with my patients um, when they come in by just teaching them about preventative health as well, um, amongst other things. Okay. What about you, Shalonda? How do you help to empower the patients that you see so that they feel more confident about um, self-advocacy where it you know, pertains to their health care? I would have to agree with Treva as well. Um, just taking that time out. Um, I think that's one of the aspects of our practice that our clients really enjoy is that they don't feel rushed. They feel mm. like we are um, taking care, you know, total care into them, that we're um, compassionate and, you know, we, we are concerned about their health. Um, one of the things that I particularly do um, whether it's labs that we draw here or labs that they bring in from their primary care provider, I actually sit with them. I, you know, let them have a copy. I have a copy. And as I'm reviewing them, I explain to them, okay, this is what, you know, this value means. This is what that value means. And this is what's normal. This is what's not normal. And this is how you can correct and prevent this. Um, and a lot of times, um, like I mentioned before, it's it's an easy, simple fix if they can just take early control of it and don't let it get out of hand. Um, another basis that I, I kind of remind them of is, you know, like the the old saying, um, you know, by Hippocrates, um, let food be thy medicine. Um, mm-hmm. We don't need a pill. We don't need, you know, a medicine for every little ailment that we have. And if we just learn how to participate in preventative care, it can actually, you know, lead to more wellness in our clients. And just um, again, just to piggyback off of what Treva said, our environment is comfortable, is welcoming. Um, our clients do feel like we're therapists to them, like they, <laughs> you know, they they enjoy the one-on-one care. Uh, we space our visits out with enough time to where we, you know, partly overlap. Um, so they have that dedicated time to them. We're not just spending 15, 20 minutes with our clients. You know, it's at least 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what type of visit that they're here for. And, mm-hmm. you know, we listen to their needs. And sometimes it's just a matter of talking about, you know, the home environment, or it could be you know, about self-care, self-love, um, mm-hmm. you know, changing mindset. And and those are, are big factors, especially when it's the, the female of the house, because if, if she's not right, then nobody's right. Correct. <laughs> so, Correct. you know, just, just getting her into a better mindset um, and, you know, letting them realize that they're human. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to fall off track. But it's just a matter of picking up the pieces and keeping keeping it moving. Yeah. Wow, ladies, that's that's really powerful. Y'all have dropped some serious nuggets about the importance of, you know, self-advocacy, but giving us all something to think about in terms of how we can become empowered um, to self-advocate. You know, I definitely... It can't say that I've ever been to a traditional medicine appointment where there was any expanded discussion about what was happening at home. I think, you know, being a military spouse, I'm a part of the, the military healthcare system. And they asked questions like, do you feel safe at home? Um, you know, have you ever had thoughts of harming yourself? And that's, I mean, those are legitimate questions for some, not necessarily all. But I think something more along the lines of, 
when is the last time you felt sad and what was the cause, you know, what do you think was the cause of that might be an indication that there is something, you know, that may be impacting one's mental health that is now also then impacting one's physical health. And that's definitely another way to begin the intervention process so that we're not just being handed bottles of pills as a band-aid to a more long-standing issue that could be treated otherwise. So um, once again, thank you both for sharing your perspective on that. Um, I would I would ask as a follow-up, when I say to you, a life saved is a life changed, what does that mean to you? A life saved is a life changed. Uh-huh. I think that um, if, like as Shalanda said, our focus is on women. We do see men, but if the woman is the foundation of the home, mm-hmm. when we save that woman's life, then she then will go and change her family's life. So wow. she's going to make the changes that are necessary. So life-saving things, and then you can teach other people about it. So, you know, women are nurturers by nature. So they're going to nurture their families and let them know, hey, is um, is this, this, or this. Um, I saw a patient at my other job before we actually opened. We were just in the planning phases. And um, I, we had our business card. So I gave it to one of my patients that came to see me at the other clinic that I was working for. And her daughter called me. She gave my card to her daughter for um, weight loss. And I, because I took out time with the mother for the issue that she had and pretty much helped to get her on track because she came in for one thing, but she was a diabetic and a, and a poorly controlled diabetic at that. But I did spend more time with her to teach her a few things in that moment that I had. She was impressed. So she took my card and she gave it to her daughter. Our daughter came to me and has been a client of ours since we've been open and has lost over 25 pounds without any medication. She didn't want medicine. So I'm saying that to say I was able to impact the mother and the mother passed on my information to her daughter. And that daughter now has passed on that information to her fiance. So now I've pretty much treated the whole family just from doing that one thing. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. What about you, Shalanda? Is there anything you'd like to have, or excuse me, to add? A life saved is a life changed. What does that mean to you? I think I'll answer that more from a provider point of view. Um, With this new role as being an entrepreneur um, and having our own practice in this preventative world, um, I feel, I, I guess I would just say I feel that it makes me feel like I'm doing my job. It makes me feel worthy when the client comes back to tell me how much I've affected their life in a good and positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had several clients that started off with us from the beginning and they're still on board now. They're, you know, actually in maintenance phase, but they just, you know, they love the accountability. Um, they love, you know, coming, having the sessions with us and we just, we, we become a part of their lives. And I would say a life saved is a life changed because 
if we can change the way that people think about food, we can change the way that people think about their lives, whether it's mindset, whether it's, okay, I have to take time for myself, I have to get better sleep. But if we can change the lives of others, well, if we can change their mindset, we can save their lives is how I think of it. Mm. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. I got chills listening to you say that. That That is, I just think, and, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. And, and you know, once upon a time, it was going to be called something very different than what um, it is now. And part of that is driven by understanding that some of the things that ail us both physically as well as emotionally are um, because of some deficiency in mindset. And so literally that's how the idea of the podcast being called Healing for Your Thoughts came to be. Um, Recognizing that our healing, just as the Bible says, you know, it encourages us, instructs us really to take captive our thoughts. You know, when we are able to do that, Will it cure everything that we feel is a problem? Absolutely not. But it definitely gets us on the pathway to being able to do so. So I think that it is really um, critical what you said about, you know, shifting mindset in the lives of your clients, because when you can shift the mindset, then I'm more open um, to the information you're giving me. And when I'm open to it, you know, I'm digesting it in a different kind of way. And then that becomes the thing that ripples through my circle of influence, whether it's with my intimate relationships as far as family or my interpersonal relationships um, by extension as far as friends and the like. And so I think what you all are doing really is extraordinary, um, not just from a clinician perspective, but from a human perspective. You know, in um, prior conversation preparing for this um, interview, you know, y'all shared that your core values are education, advocacy, and awareness. And I think that the way in which you have structured your business and the way in which you engage with your clients, you are very successful um, in educating them, in advocating for them, and building the awareness also that helps them to be forward-thinking in their own self-advocacy. So um, hats off to you both um, for that. Um, which leads me to my next question as we are shortly to come to a close here today. This has been so fantastic. Thank y'all once again. Um, I think I know to some degree what you're most proud of, of in terms of your business thus far, but just take a moment and share with the listeners, what are you most proud of um, to this point and where do you see your business in five years? I would say that I'm most proud of creating a safe haven for others. Um, obesity is a hard um, condition to deal with. It's um, sometimes self-shaming to some people. Um, and it's hard for people to deal with, talk about it. It's hard for people to even come out to seek help for it sometimes. Um, and I feel that our environment is safe, it's comfortable, we empathize with our patients. And um, that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I have a purpose in life. And, 
you know, this is one of one of the purposes that God God has provided for me is a way to give service back to our clients and their families. And um, kind of something you mentioned before, like with the um, screening tools that we were taught to utilize, <laughs> you know, um, during our visits, like mm-hmm. how many people would truly answer? Yes. You know, I need help or no, I don't feel safe at home, you know, in a 10 to 15 minute visit. But if mm-hmm. I'm sitting there with you and over time, we're de- not only you know, developing a working relationship, but we're, you know, developing a friendship and, and you feel like I am empathizing with you and I'm being supportive of you at some point, if you are in an unsafe environment, if you are having some struggles, you're going to feel more comfortable to discuss that with me. And that's what I enjoy about what we do. Um, In five years, I um, see us growing to the point where you know, we can ha- offer different locations. We do service clients um, coming from Austin, coming from Port Arthur. Um, we had a client come from Kyle, Texas a couple of weeks ago. I'd never even heard of the place. Um, wow. He found us on Google and he said he he didn't care how far he had to drive to come see us because what he saw was something different. And, and that's what I'm proud of the most, that we can offer something different to our clients. Hmm. Well said. Well said, Treva. Yes, I think Shalanda well said. You you did a fantastic job at explaining that. Um, I'll just say, just from our from a personal perspective for Shalanda and myself, I'm most proud that she and I finally took that first step to doing this. Um, and that's the most satisfying thing to me is to be able, as she said, to show up every day to take care of our clients and to serve them. Um, the way that we would like to be served um, if we were the patient and not the provider. So um, uh, everything that she just said, all of that, um, just just having the courage to do this because for myself personally, I, I enjoy what I do. I love working. I enjoy taking care of people. Um, but being a business owner, that has been a whole different experience. So bringing all of that into this and just being proud of where we are and also showing ourselves some grace as we continue to learn, um, you know, how to do and to have the ability to be creative with our clients and do things that are not currently being done and be innovative. So I'm definitely proud of that fact that we have the opportunity to do that. Um, In five years, I see fit um, growing into a national brand um, to where we have several locations open and perhaps where it can be something that will be franchised um, to other people so we can bring this on a national level because what we're doing here needs to be done everywhere. It needs to be a part of healthcare, not as the exception, but as the rule. All right. Okay, national brand come through. I Look, I received that on your behalf and I, I look forward to seeing the journey of making that happen because as you said, you know, functional medicine is definitely a critical component of our health across the spectrum. I think that's true regardless of race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status. We all have a right to good health care and we have a responsibility to do what we can to pursue it and to sustain it. Um, and so, you know, ladies, thank you once again for all that you are doing in this space. Now, you both have mentioned, you know, how far you've had clients 
um, come and see you within Texas. Do you see and accept clients from other places? Do you offer telehealth? Is it, you know, impossible? Is it somewhat of a challenge, but doable for you to see um, patients strictly on a telehealth basis? How can your listeners or rather my listeners um, find you online and or via social media if they want to connect and learn more about you and your services? So they can connect with us either through our website, which is um, fixittogetherweightloss.com, or we also have an Instagram, F period, I period, T weight loss. Um, and we're pretty active there as well as Facebook, which is the same F period, I period, T weight loss. Um, as far as servicing other areas, um, prescriptive wise, we can only service Texas. But for um, consult, patient, patient consults, we also have some do-it-yourself programs on our website that they can purchase and we can offer some coaching um, in other states. Okay, cool, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. So again, the website Fit Medical Weight Loss is www.fixingittogetherweightloss.com or is it medicalweightloss.com? I want to make sure that I heard you correctly and that everyone else did as well. It's actually fixittogetherweightloss.com. Okay, perfect. So in these final moments, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? You guys have given us so much to think about, to absorb, and really to go out and explore for ourselves as we think about our health um, in the month of Heart Health Month, but really every day, all day, 365 days a year. We definitely need to be paying better attention to our health and, and the things that we do to support it and sustain it. So what would you like to share as we bring our time together to a close? Um, I would I would like to thank you for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity to share our story and our brand. Um, you asked a question at the beginning of the podcast, and I thought about this after we moved on um, about who influenced us the most. And I forgot probably the most important person um, for me. And it wasn't just one. I actually had several nurses. Several of my aunts are nurses. But my grandmother um, was a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. And it was not until my grandmother passed away over COVID at her funeral, I spoke and my father spoke. And I spoke behind him. And it was not until he said he spoke and said that my grandmother wanted to be a registered nurse, wanted to be a nurse. But she could not, she never had the opportunity to become a nurse, so she became a nursing assistant. And none of her children went back to school to become a nurse, but my grandmother has nine granddaughters that are nurses. Um, wow. And so when we talk about honoring and where we come from, I, I, I have to go back and honor um, the nurses that are in my family because I do have quite a few um, that helped me along the way, praying with me, helping me answer my questions. Um, and my grandmother, I have her work ethic, which means that you take care of people first. You see them first. And it does not matter what's going on. You, you're never um, too good to give somebody a helping hand, basically. Um, so I, I take that to work every day on how I take care of people, how I treat people, and how, why I do what I do because of her and how she took care of the people that she loved the most as well, her patients. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. Nine, nine. You said nine nurses. That is nine. Nine of her granddaughters are nurses. And, and 
we, we're all nurses on different levels, but we followed. So that's, she, she spoke that, you know, it was a dream for her, but it showed up generations later. It came into fruition through us, through her granddaughters. My goodness, that is extraordinary. Ooh, I don't know how to follow that. So I'm going to defer to you, Shalonda. <laughs> Any final thoughts as we come to a close today? No, I would um, say the same. Just thank you for having us um, be a part of your podcast today. We really appreciate um, you allowing us to share our branding and, um, you know, our mission as far as fit is concerned. Um, And we're here for our patients. We're here to help everybody or as many people as we can. Well, thank you guys. Um, You ladies, once again, for being here. It has been my pleasure to just have a conversation about not just health and medicine and, you know, but really the story behind how fit came to be and, and to, you know, help to, to create some awareness about two women of color who are at the forefront of really getting more awareness in our community in particular about the benefits of functional medicine, despite what would be um, considered a barrier to entry in terms of the cost. You know, if we can find a way to make functional medicine more mainstream, as you know, Treva said, a rule and not the exception. Um, I really think we will change the fabric of our community from the health landscape. And so, it again has been my pleasure having you both here today. Um, you know, to help begin to do just that. So, thank you, thank you, and thank you once again. Um, for your time today. And I look forward to seeing what FIT does in the future. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Healing for Your Thoughts. Thank you for listening today. It is my hope that you have received some takeaways to empower your wellness journey and further support your ability to self-advocate where your health is concerned. If you would like to connect with today's guests, as a reminder, You can reach them via their website at www.fixittogetherweightloss.com or on Facebook and Instagram under the handle capital F period capital I period capital T weight loss. Again, capital F period capital I period capital T weight loss. Beyond this, as you head into the remainder of the week, Strive to live well and with intention. Until next time, all my best, Charlie.